Blog Talk Radio. You are solely responsible for your interactions with other listeners of the Love Zone USA. You understand that the Love Zone USA does not in any way screen its listeners, nor does the Love Zone USA inquire into the backgrounds of its listeners or attempt to verify the statements of its listeners. The Love Zone USA makes no representations or warranties as to the conduct of its listeners or their compatibility with any current or future listeners. In no event shall the Love Zone USA or Blog Talk Radio be liable for any damages whatsoever, whether direct, indirect, general, special, compensatory, consequential, and or incidental, arising out of or relating to the conduct of you or anyone else in connection with the use of this service, including without limitation bodily injury, emotional distress, and or any other damages resulting from communications or meetings with other listeners of this service or persons you meet through this service. You agree to take reasonable precautions in all interactions with other listeners of the Love Zone USA, particularly if you decide to meet in person. In addition, you understand that the Love Zone USA makes no guarantees, either expressed or implied, regarding your ultimate compatibility with individuals you meet through listening to the Love Zone USA. The Love Zone USA. The Love Zone USA.
Hi, this is Linda Clifford, and when I want to stay away from a runaway love, I listen to the LoveZoneUSA.com so that I know I'm getting the right information and won't ever make that mistake again. And you should, too. We make 
Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you're listening to... The Love Zone USA, where you can listen to your heart, and we live and learn. And learn. Oh 
CBS Records, that's the way of the world. If you've never seen them live, go on YouTube and try to find one of their videos. It's so I would consider them the best live performing band in the world. In the world. They were the greatest live performance band in the world. And when they say Earth, Wind, and Fire, those were the elements that they brought to the table. The elements of a little bit of jazz. A little bit of Latin, a little bit of soul, a little funk. Yeah, all of those elements mixed together created fire. <laughs> my my boys, we're going to have them here soon, matter of fact. I spoke to their manager through email uh, uh, just the other day. Yeah, they just came back from a tour in Europe, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So we're going to get them live on the air for you and let you get a chance to talk to my friends my friends. But tonight's show is about sexual harassment. Does it matter anymore without proof? Do you think it does? Well, did you see the hearings? Did you see the hearings with Dr. Ford and the senators? And uh, It's a hearing. And tonight's show is all about that. Like I said, tell your friends, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, be sure to let them know to tune in because we've got information for you from a very experienced attorney that I want to bring on in just a second. But like I said, I wanted to make sure that you are aware that this show is going to be about sexual harassment. And, uh, you know, things that you need to know in order to make your case solid in this day and age of Me Too-ism. And um, you've probably seen things in the news that uh, might make you wonder, should I come forward? Should I come forward? We're going to talk about that with our guest, and we're going to give you a chance to call in a little later. But right now, I want to bring her on, and uh, her name is attorney Anita McFadden. Anita, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad you're with us tonight. Um, I guess uh, you've been... uh, Keeping up with with the, uh, I guess, hearing and, and the uh, developments of the hearing. Have you been in touch with the news today? Um, I saw, I did see some of the headlines this morning about uh, the report came back. The FBI investigative report was distributed um, to Congress, and um, it looks like, I guess, the White House has confidence that he will be confirmed. Yeah, and before we do that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background? Because unbeknownst to me, and I'm sure it definitely it's uh, our audience would know, I kind of knew about your uh, background when I first targeted you, um, president of the you know Black Association of Lawyers. Um, 
uh, why don't you tell our audience about your background and uh, give them a little heads up on why you're qualified to talk about this sexual harassment tonight? Well, um, um, as you stated, I definitely was the uh, president of the Northern Virginia Black Attorneys Association, you know, some years back. I'm still involved with that organization. Um, as far as my practice areas, I do practice uh, primarily family law now, but I do have a background in practicing uh, being a criminal prosecutor and prosecuting um, sexual assault cases. And and how long did you um, uh, do that, Anita, with with the sexual assault assault cases? Um, several years, about I guess about four and four and a half, almost made it to five, about four and a half years. <laughs> I did various criminal cases, but uh, for about, I guess, a year or two or so, I focused primarily on cases in uh, sexual battery, rape, those types of cases. And in watching the hearings, one of my first questions to you is, and, and I guess we've all kind of learned that it takes a lot for somebody to come forward and I guess the first questions on people's mind is that, you know, why so long and why do they wait? And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a long time and, you know, things can get a little blurred and, and evidence might not be there. Why don't you explain to our audience your experience as to why people take so long? And now with this new, this case on the horizon before us, what they can do now to, to kind of, you know, help themselves uh, in in coming forward maybe sooner. Okay, so the first question was why people may, why does it take them so long? Yeah. I think a lot of times, a a lot of times people are shocked that it's happened to them. You know, having dealt with people who were, you know, survivors or victims of, of sexual assault matters, they a lot of times it was just shock. It took people sometimes a while to process what had happened to them. And sometimes they didn't even believe it or they were talk, They had to talk to other friends about what they should do about it once they even got through the point of processing. And, and everybody doesn't process quickly. Um, when someone has been violated to that extent, um, sometimes it's just not – they, you know, an immediate reaction. Sometimes it takes uh, processing. Then you consider, you know, the embarrassment of it all. Um, you, again, a lot of times uh, people had to just get past the point of being violated and how that they had to, you know, deal with that. And then once you start talking, you, you process and you start talking to other people. I've, I had a case where the person had to actually ask several people and told them what happened and did they really – um, was it their fault? Did they do something to bring this on, or could they have done something differently? And then sometimes the person only comes forward after they have spoken with friends and family members and explained to them what happened. And then with that support, a lot of times that's when they'll come forward and report it, um, either in a you know criminally or in a you know employment situation. So, again, I think sometimes, you know, from my experience, it was just people sort of accepting the fact and processing that they had been violated to such an extent and then having to figure out, do they have some fault in that? And, and again, getting support and then going forward and reporting it to an employer or, you know, the police. 
Mm. And, and tell our audience, from your perspective, how, how delaying this, what have you seen in your experience of it affecting the case, either pro or con, for them winning? The delay is more, most likely going to be a con more versus a pro. Um, it can be explained, and some people understand it. You know, it can be understood and explained, uh, but it tends to work definitely as an initial con because people tend to believe you less, you know, less they don't believe you as much because the thought is, well, if this happened to you and you were violated so much, why wouldn't you report immediately? And, you know, and, and then with these types of situations where you have, you know, people, you know, in the one with involving Kavanaugh, this, you know, allegedly happened when everybody was on the younger side, which makes it even less likely uh, could impact that being reported. And then you look at the situation, even with, Anita Hill. She may have said things to her friends, but then as a an adult, she still had to consider how this was going to impact her career and, you know, life decisions, life choices, and how people would see her after that. So um, even though there's a way to explain it, and there's definitely most often good explanations for the delay, the delay generally tends to work against people once they report. And I guess the last thing I want to tackle you know, for setting this whole, you know, thing up for tonight. So our audience has a, has a, as we've learned through the OJ case, a timeline. Um, this particular case with Kavanaugh, the girl was uh, 15. And, and from what I gathered from the testimony and uh, my memory is, <laughs> I'm not going to say, I, I think it's halfway good because I'm a little older now, but I think she said <laughs> in high school, so she didn't report it because she wasn't supposed to be at this party at 15, so naturally she wouldn't tell her parents right away. What would you advise people today in this timeline, now that they've seen seen and heard this case, you know, in reporting? Who would you report to first, and uh, the people you feared reporting to, who would you report to so you, you could have some documentation or some corroborating uh, assistance for you? Well, I think a lot of times it works better if, you know, if you, you contacting the authorities like the police um, or some trusted authority figure, particularly if you're talking about, you know, someone who's 15. Most of the time, however, people are going to either go to a trusted friend or a trusted family member before they go to an, a, the authorities, be it law enforcement or someone at, at a school or someone who works you know, who's, who's with their employment. Um, so I would definitely, you know, that's going to usually be the first person, but it, it should, it needs to be reported as soon as possible. So it can be documented as soon as possible. And I, and I would even suggest taking, I would even suggest taking that trusted friend or family member with you when it is reported to an authority figure, be it law enforcement or, you know, the police or an employer. To have the support and, and also to have a witness. And these things wouldn't actually help you with your case that you're telling our audience now as far as 
you know, when they finally come to an attorney like this, these would be the things that would essentially help you to, you know, be on the pro side of winning the case. Of, if exactly. With... All right. Exactly. Well, um, we're going to come back and talk more about this case. And in a little bit later, we're going to get into, uh, you know, having some calls from the audience. But right now I want to get into some music. And the music is by some people that I had the chance of uh, working with at CBS Records. Uh, we're going to come back and talk more about this subject matter. But what I'd like to do is uh, introduce this next song because I felt like a lot of songs that we had back in the day, people need to recognize today. And this one is by Hal Melvin and the Blue Notes. And they say the Bible says nothing is new under the sun. Well, if you listen to the words of this song, I think you'll understand what they mean. This song, appropriately titled for this day, this time, right now, is called Wake Up, Everybody, here on the Love Zone USA. Just you 
I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan and I I was thinking I could fly to your hotel tonight Cause I can't get you off my mind I can't get you off my mind See you got plans now baby I was hoping I could get lost in your paradise The only thing I'm thinking about is you And that's uh, Sean Mendez. He calls that one Lost in Japan. Here inside the Love Zone USA with yours truly, Mike T. We're going to come back with our guest tonight, Anita McFadden, attorney. And we're talking about the uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh case. And uh, Anita, I'd like to get right into this and ask you, and what you've seen during the hearings, what do you think is the most damning uh, thing that you heard from Dr. Ford that kind of leans the case more for her than him? What would you think is the thing that stood out most to you? Well, I mean, she she was very clear with her description of what occurred. She was very clear with who had actually, you know, that he was the per- he was the person who committed the act, and um, I don't. She just I, she came across credible. With no one, I'm you know I don't have any. I'm not privy to the report, the FBI investigation report. But she, the issue of whether or not she came across credible. I mean, she came across very credible, and the I guess I would to summarize my answer it would be the clarity of her description of what occurred and, and her identity of who did it. No, and, and in addition, she has nothing to gain. She has really nothing to gain by uh, sort of making this up. And I'm not saying there aren't instances of, you know, misidentifications in criminal cases and things like that, but um, she just, she definitely came back very credible, you know, very, she came across very credible with, her description of what occurred and, you know, her memory of that particular incident. Now, the president this week, he came out at a rally and said, well, she doesn't remember the room. She doesn't remember upstairs, downstairs, uh, which, where, how did she get there? All of that that he reiterated, how important is that to a case in your mind? Uh, when, oh, you mean you know, if we were? Because there's the, I guess there's the court of law and there's a court of public opinion. So you know, in a court of law, if you're asking me in a court of law, how how much, and and I guess sometimes they overlap because if you're talking about trying a case to a jury, and you know that's an argument a defense attorney would make. They would focus on everything that the person doesn't remember versus the prosecution is focusing on everything the person does remember. So um, he, 
you know, I mean, he's he's expressing, I guess, his opinion of it. But again, he, you know, he has a purpose. He has an agenda, and so therefore, he's going to focus on, you know, various facts that she probably doesn't remember after all these years because those are not the facts that stood out to her. Um, what stood out to her is exactly what happened to her, not, you know, how many stairs she went up, exactly what the address was. What stood out to her is what happened to her once she was in the room and who did it. And in your experiences with, you know, today for our audience, for those women or men, I guess men too, uh, well, no, I don't. Well, I haven't heard of a man being sexually harassed by a woman, but I guess there would be case. But anyway, for our audience, what would you say in a sexual harassment case for your purposes as an attorney when you have a he said, she said case? And could you explain just circumstantial evidence with no corroborating witnesses, usually when it's man versus woman? What helps a woman in those cases when it's just her and a man behind closed doors? You know, what tends, what tends to help is, you know, I would say some of the things that uh, she did, she did during the hearings, which is again, having, being able to clearly state the facts of what occurred during the interaction and a clear identification of who did it, especially when there's more than one person in the room, such as if I recall correctly what she described. There, was, there were like four people in the house, I believe, and then two people in the room, if, right, I'm, if I'm not, if, I, if I'm remembering, recalling what she described correctly. So she knew who all the four people were in the house. She knew and stated the names of who was in the room, and she had a clear recollection. He, on the other hand, because, you know, the focus is on her and her testimony, but in any, if I were in a trial, it's also if the other, you know, in a trial, the other, the defendant or the person who is accused does not necessarily have to testify. So if that person did choose to testify, their testimony becomes almost as important because it's also what they remember, how clear they, they are with their facts. And understanding these were congressional hearings and she was coming forward with something or piece, a piece of information or experience she had with, she allegedly, that allegedly occurred with someone who's about to sit on the highest court of the United States, um, understanding that that's the focus, what's also the focus in a court of law is if the other person testifies, if the accused testifies, what their memory is, what facts, how clear are their facts. And if the two of these people were in a court of law, you have one person who's saying nothing happened at all. I knew her, but I don't remember any of this whatsoever. It never happened. And then you have her with a very clear recollection of who and what occurred. And, you know, if it's a, you know, also would depend on if it's a jury or a bench trial. If it's a jury trial, you know, the people on the jury would decide if that carries the day. But generally the person with the more clear vision or clear, uh, more, who more clearly recollects the facts um, does tend to be a bit more persuasive than someone who says it didn't happen or I don't remember. And I'll just throw a little monkey wrench in this. I think in most of these instances, uh, we're, we're talking high school and college, you know, where there are a lot of people around and yada, yada, yada. 
but I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to ask your expertise in this case. I would think most of the cases that you, you've uh, dealt with, it's sort of like a Bill Cosby case where I invite a woman to my house and um, clearly in this instance, and even in the Cosby instances, uh, you know, she went to a party and, and she knew these people. In my trying to set this up, I'm saying to me, well, if I invite a woman to my house, there's someone I know. So nine times out of ten, my boy isn't going to be around, which Kavanaugh uh, had a friend. Uh, I, I guess... I'm trying to help our audience understand for you, the attorney, what can you do to help this attorney should this happen and there's no witnesses? Because if I invite a woman to my house, like uh, Bill Cosby said, you know, it's it's my word against hers. In, in this Kavanaugh instance, he had a friend, and it was his friend, not her friend. So I, I would presume, and I'm just assuming because I'm a, I'm a dummy like the rest of uh, well, not the rest of our audience. They're probably smarter than me. But I'm thinking from a layman's standpoint, most people, their friend hopefully isn't going to rat them out. Isn't going to side it, it is going to side with me. Hopefully my boys out there, you guys listening, you would side with me. Uh, which his friend seemed to do because he couldn't remember. So that leaves <laughs> The woman, the woman in, in in that instance where I got my boy with me, and it was two beers and, and one woman, and 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 she's asked out as far as a witness. What would you say for women in those instances, or even in the Bill Cosby instance where it's just her and and the and the person? Well, I mean, I'm not sure what you can do about that. I mean, if you are in there by yourself and unless you have some type of recording device on you or something like that, the only thing you could do is probably or what would improve your chances is reporting it as soon as it occurred. Because I think, you know, if you report it as soon as it occurs, yeah, the per other person in the room that with the friend will may still back that other person up, the accused person up who's their friend, but there's a lot less time to sort of prepare, get the story straight, you know, so if someone like ran out the room, ran directly to the police or an authority figure, and then both the the friend and the accused person uh, of the uh, the accused person and his his friend were questioned sort of immediately after it occurred, it's a lot less time to sort of get the story straight. People are more; they're not as you know, they're a little bit more discombobulated with okay, this happened, and so everybody, you know, they might be a lot less prepared. They wouldn't be able to say they couldn't remember if it's reported immediately, because it just happened, alleged, you know, whatever allegedly happened just happened. And, um, you know, the, the, again, people have a let, lot less time to sort of get their story straight, and they may be a little bit more afraid of, you know, misrepresenting or not telling the whole truth. And, again, it's, it's a lot you're, – you're not as able to claim lack of memory when something just occurred. All right. Versus We're something come that occurred 30 years ago or something like that. I got you. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking with uh, attorney Anita McFadden, trying to help you sort this case out as well as 
anything personal that may have happened to you. And if you have a personal story and you want to call in, give us a call at 347-539-5729. And uh, just remember to press 1. I see we have a caller on the line right about now. We're going to go into some music. And you know what? When we come back, I'm going to take this caller. Uh, I see someone now. But if you should be listening and you want to call in, um, and tell your story or ask uh, Miss, Miss McFadden a question. The telephone number is 347-539-5729. And we're going to talk more about this Kavanaugh case, but what I want to try to get across tonight is that um, when we talk about this potential confirmation, what you need to understand is what happened years ago, and it's a song by this group that I also had the pleasure of promoting, and this was the song. It's by the Isley Brothers. Listen to the words. It's called Fight the Peace.
Welcome, welcome. Who do we have on the line? This is Mike T. What's, what's up? When I need to lead the weapon against the challenges of love, I call on the Love Zone USA. This is Danny Glover. generate more traffic and sales for your business starting now? Well, here's the marketing tool you've been looking for. What about advertising your business product or service to singles? Well, everybody knows. 
singles have the most money to spend, and the LoveZoneUSA.com has accumulated the largest audience of singles on Internet radio. They've done this through a variety of shows discussing sex and controversial topics in the areas of relationships, dating, and marriage. They've also attracted celebrities to their show who are known by millions of listeners and fans, like The Temptations, divorce attorney Raul Felder, Gloria Allred, and Danny Glover. Your business will be exposed as a sponsor of a variety of shows with universal themes featuring love and music, celebrities, sex, and other controversial topics, offering your business maximum exposure to singles who have the most discretionary income to spend. So contact one of our business consultants today so they can show you how you can generate more traffic and sales to your website by becoming a sponsor of the LoveZoneUSA.com. And if you want to advertise, the email is sales at thelovezoneusa.com. That's thelovezoneusa.com. It's Mike T here on the Love Zone USA, and we're going to get right into it with a caller on the line. Hello. Um, you're calling in to the show. Your name? Greetings. Where are you calling? Yes, Hello. my name is Sapphire, and I'm calling from North Carolina. And Sapphire, uh, would you like to speak to our guest this evening? I certainly would. I have a question for her. Okay. Sapphire, yes. I have Anita on the line. Anita, go ahead. Uh, firstly, I want to greet you with a warm hello before I pose my question to you. Secondly, secondly, I want to ask you about the statute of limitations. Here, Here is where I'm so very confused. Now, as it relates to um, the Cosby case, and I'm going here first. As it relates to the Cosby case, how is it that most of these women, from my understanding, were able to circumvent the statute of limitations for the place of the incident or their home states or whatever? I'm just confused as to how this worked. Well, the statute of limitation is going to vary depending on the state. And um, he was, so, so it depends on the state. And I don't practice in California because he was convicted, I forget, I'm not sure, whatever state he was in, I'm not, you know, I'm only familiar with the state I practice in. So um, a lot of times there's statute of limitations and some offenses in some states don't have a particular statute of limitations. Okay. No. And, Excuse me. I'm sorry. I was going to say to you, so I researched the statute of limitations for the state that these alleged crimes happen in. And at, when I got through eight of them, I just stopped because the statute of limitations were clear. There's a PDF download, and then you can go to the Department of Justice. I mean, the, the statutes are there in plain sight, and they had expired. So I'm just trying to understand how this works. I just, I'm, how are these women able to override the statute of limitations that are clearly set there in place? Is there something we, we don't know about the law? Well, no, it's generally the statute of limitations, but, my, you know, I know there were quite a few accusers, but my understanding is the conviction that just occurred, um, he, it was one, only one. It wasn't oh, multiple. Okay, okay that makes so sense. So it wasn't okay. that, it, 
it wasn't that there were, because like I said, there were many accusers. I forget the number, but it was, he was convicted on only, that was one of the women. I think the other ones were trying to sue him civilly, but as far as the criminal conviction, I believe that was only one of the women. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. I understand it now. Um, as, As it relates to Kavanaugh, I I feel like, and, and I'm just wondering, and and this is just my personal opinion, and I could be wrong, but I feel like um, this is a game of chess and not checkers. And and I believe there are two things that will happen. One, he will be confirmed. It, two, if he is not confirmed, I believe that there will, there's another waiting in the wing who probably has, um, you know, who's probably not as good um, for the position. But that's who they wanted in the first place. And when I say they, I'm just speaking about, you know, powers that be. But I believe he will be confirmed. And I believe that these people are coming forward now so that later on no one can come forward because people will say, hey, listen, they already, he's gone through that. We've, we've already gone through that. So they're clearing, they're draining the swamp of his um, accusers now so that they can not come forward later on. And I'd like to know your opinion on that. Um, I have to say I do think there's more than likely a good probability he's going to be confirmed. I don't know. Um, I look at some indicators such as the, you know, short time for the investigation. There's been some back and forth in the media, and I don't have any, you know, I don't have any inside knowledge, but just looking, you know, going the back and forth in the media about was the investigation sort of hampered or, you know, restricted? Was it not? You know, there's a lot of back and forth about that and and who knows. But if I remember, and I do do distinctly remember uh, the Clarence Thomas issue and Anita Hill, and he got confirmed. And this this is different, but along the same line, similar. And given some of the restrictions that, that, you know, some say are and some say are not, have been placed on the investigation. And uh, the fact that, you know, particularly under this administration, it seems like, you know, the responses to dig in heels and really fight, um, the the probability, and and it is based on um, allegations that occurred a while ago, and as something we were talking about earlier in the show, you know, it, it, it still does come down to a he say, she say. There's no sort of objective evidence of of what occurred uh, other than, you know, what she's stating and then he's saying he doesn't remember and his friend's saying they don't remember and things like that. Um, The likelihood is giving some of those indicators that he's likely going to be confirmed. And I do also can, I can see the idea and the possibility that there is, that they are already ready with the candidate who would fill the shoes if this, confirmation somehow didn't get through with the, you know, Republican majority Congress. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and patience. I really appreciate your Oh, no problem. Thank you for the question. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Zephyr, for calling in. Uh, Feel free to listen, and uh, we're going to continue with more. Anita, if, if if I may, you know, she talked about the statute of limitation and this FBI investigation. Let's let's go into that because um, you know I, I want to get to where 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 do you think 
I mean, for you as a personal attorney and, and to the public and, you know, they're not going to be in hearings, if they were to come to you, what, what do you what do you what has been in your experience as the normal time frame for an investigation on a case that you've worked with so that the public kind of gets an idea of what the attorney needs in order to how long does it take on average or what is your experience on a normal case, not these this hearing that we're seeing played before before us? Oh, see so uh, as far as like a criminal on a criminal matter. As soon as the police are alerted, you know, law enforcement is involved, the investigation tends to start immediately. Um, and it tends to go as long uh, up until, because I did work as a, as a prosecutor, and so basically when the charges were made, the investigation, some of it had already started even sometimes before the charges were made. So the investigations on a, in a, when you say normal case, but I would have to say like on the state level, uh, that I'm when I was a prosecutor, I worked on the state level. The investigation sometimes had started before the charges were even brought, and so and I and I even on this on these hearings, I I you know I'm watching CNN, I'm looking at different you know media reports on it. I I did hear uh, someone talk about how these investigations you know should have been started a while ago understanding that these that the accusations or the claims came up more recently but my understanding is that, that you know as a supreme court justice they would have been vetting before now and it just kind of came to the forefront now but um on the state level again when there's a criminal prosecution on issues such as these that investigation um, a lot of times, sometimes has, has even started even before the charges are brought, and then they're definitely continuing after the charges are brought. And I guess, uh, in the sense of of this, uh, I guess witnesses, I've seen several people come forward. Uh, in the last couple of twenty four hours or two days. And they have not been contacted by the FBI. And today I saw a podium press conference with uh, Grassley and uh, McConnell and them saying that the FBI investigation has been concluded. Uh, what is your take on that? If you have in the news people who have come forward but have not been contacted, what is your take on, on that, Anita? Well, again, that's, you know, I, I – that again, I have to go back to the claims that were they restricted or were they not? I mean, I, I don't know, but again, listening to the different news reports, they were saying that they were somewhat restricted. And a week's time to do investigation of a number of people is probably not sufficient. But, you, but I'm not sure what information they had, or, or I also heard, I heard on the news outlets as well that. They never even spoke to, they haven't spoken with Kavanaugh again. Uh, they haven't spoken to anyone who's testified thus far. Uh, so I, I'm not sure how thorough in a week's time, when you have numerous people to speak with, how thorough the investigation could be. And the report, you know, is, is going to be what it is and whatever they could gather within that amount of time. And for those people who are watching this on TV and thinking, well, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 
they may be getting the impression that this is the way, you know, most cases end up, that it's not in their favor. What would you say to those in our audience um, about coming forward, one, and that this is is not the norm or, or from your experience? What would you say to those people who might be on the fence about coming forward? That it should be reported. It should be reported. The, there can be no guarantee as to the result of the reporting, but it, it, it should be reported because sometimes even if um, things like your particular case or the particular incident does not result in, what, in, in the way you would have liked, the fact that it's reported sometimes means that will either prevent it from happening again or if it happens again, it sort of creates a better case if there is a next time. So the reporting helps even sometimes when the desired result in your particular case may not be what occurs. Because, you know, in the legal system, a lot of times because of proof, because of he say, she say issues, um, because of various other factors, the case there may be plea agreements in a case, just to, uh, if there's an evidence issue, sometimes prosecutors in sexual assault cases and cases such as, as like that will do what's called plea agreements. So there's something versus nothing. And so that may not be the desired result of the person who's had to endure the, the, you know, the situation or the issue. But that reporting, even if it, again, doesn't turn out to be, get the result the person exactly wants, can end up sort of creating a um, sort of groundswell or background that can help either, again, prevent something from happening in the future or help someone else successfully or, you know, more and in a more extensive manner prosecute a similar case with, you know, the same person. And i got two more questions, and I'm going to let you go because we're close to our 930 area, and I don't want to keep it any longer. Um Number one question is, have you had cases in your experience where media was involved? Um, one, I, it, but there wasn't a sexual assault case. It was a different type of case. But I think there was, there was one I, I had been contacted. Oh, okay. And the second piece, I'm going to go off a little script, go off script a little bit. In this particular hearing, last but not least, um, we know that this is a sexual assault allegation case, but for a hearing of a judge and, and you're supposed to be checking credibility and uh, I see some things online that, that are clearly stating, um, well, one, there's a, uh, a thing online on YouTube about this, this, and I've spoken to you about it, Young Turks, how how does I guess I call it from a layman's you know because I'm not a legal person from a dummy standpoint I'm going to say for these people out there listening who have sexual assault, assault caves or anything in the in the thing that I saw on YouTube uh, Brett Kavanaugh contacted some of the people that were probably going to be contacted in this case. For our John Q. public out there, how is that witness tampering? And before you answer that, the specific incident I'm talking to, he has texts to people 
that he knew would be contacted before this case came, this hearing came, and he contacted them to, I guess, have them, you know, side with him. And that's in writing and text. How, what would you say to, you know, women out there who want to, you know, contact their girlfriends and how is that going to affect your case as a, an attorney? If people are texting and contacting people that will eventually be you'll need in the case. Well, usually you are, if, if it's a witness, if they, they're going to be witnesses, you, you can reach out to them to say, you know, hey, friend, do you remember this night and you saw me running out the room? Or do you remember afterwards and you saw me interact with this person and it was very weird? Um, it wasn't, you can see I wasn't, I, I was affected by being in this person's presence. That's not, I'm not sure that's witness tampering because that's maybe sort of reaching out to get witnesses that you know would support, um, you know, some of the facts that you have to offer in, in testimony. So um, I'm not sure that that's witness tampering. And with Brett Kavanaugh, I, you know, I, I saw some of those reports as well. I don't know if he was contacting them. I know he was contacting some of them, but I mean, I don't know what the content of that converse, of the conversation, but he clearly was anticipating that because sometimes when you're running for offices like that, like you're running for a judicial office, you may want know that people are going to be contacting different people for referrals. So in that context, I don't know if he was sort of contacting these people because they were going to serve as referral for him or he's contacting people because he knew this lady was going to testify. And so he was reaching out to people to say, hey, do you remember? But as far as someone who has been a victim or a survivor of an, a, a sexual assault, if you have friends and other people who you know could have, have memories or, or interacted with you in a way that could corroborate what happened or different things that would support your case, you, they can, you can definitely do that. And that okay, would be that helpful. Would, that, that, that would be helpful know. to the prosecutor. Okay, okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our take on sexual harassment here with our attorney, uh, Anita McFadden. She's giving you a lot of information. Hopefully it will be helpful to you. And, Anita, I'd like to thank you for coming on our show and um, definitely have plenty of other topics that I know we'll be talking to you about in the future for sure. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can offer any helpful information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I'll definitely be talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you. Bye. All right. There you have it. Anita McFadden, she's an attorney out of the Virginia area. Um, be sure to, uh, you know, um, take notes and hopefully you've uh, uh, got some good information on this show tonight. We are not concluding just yet. And if you want Anita's information, I'm going to post it on our Facebook page tomorrow. So, uh, you know, be sure to look out for that if you'd like to get in contact with her. If you live in that area or maybe you just, you know, want, want a question answered or something, we'll have the information posted of uh, how you can reach uh, Ms. McFadden here on the Love Zone USA. As I'm going to continue right now, I'm going to take you into some music. Um, and again, is part of our time. This one's by The Temptations. 
It's called Ball of, of Confusion on the LoveZoneUSA.com.
This is the Flyjack Tom Joyner, plus my co-host, J. Anthony Brown. This is J. Anthony Brown. If you want to hear some good talk and some good music, listen to the Mike T. Show on the Love Zone, USA.com. That's what I do. Watch out there now. Come on, DJ. Hit me with another track.
Janet Jackson, made for it now, here inside the Love Zone USA with yours truly, Mike T. Uh, don't forget Tony Diamond tomorrow at 8 o'clock. You've got the Girlfriend Network at 9.30 on Monday. Soul Paradise on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. And you have the Hip Hop Christian Connection Sunday, 4 p.m. with Tasha Little Queen. Last but not least, you got the Plus Size Life Entertainment. That happens uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday with your host, uh, Jackie and Suhaila. That's a clock on the wall, so that's just about all for yours truly, Mike T, on this Thursday night. Hopefully you've enjoyed our show and got some information that you can use or for one of your friends. As I always say in closing, I've enjoyed your company. Hope you've enjoyed mine. But those of you who did, I'll see you another time. Whatever you do, do it with two. It's more fun than one, and put a little love and soul in your life. As I leave you with a little bit of more music by Mr. Groove. We call this one Mr. Groove by Huge Groove. Till next week, take care. Ciao.